0: If you're not part of the team, you're just, you know, a pickup division and you have to try and live through a transition because that has the potential to have you get demobed on day 13. Not that I'm bitter about that.
1: This is the Wildland Fire Lessons Learned Center podcast. I'm Alex Victoria, Assistant Center Director of the Wildland Fire Lessons Learned Center here in sunny Tucson, Arizona. On the podcast today, you're going to hear a conversation between Travis Dotson, Wildland Fire Lessons Learned Center Analyst, and Britt Rosso, the now former director of the Wildland Fire Lessons Learned Center. The topic, transitions, operational and otherwise. Stay tuned. Today, we're talking about the 19th Watch Out situation. Yeah, we're talking about transitions. No, there is not actually a 19th watchout situation. Come on! Why do we call transitions watchout situations? Operational transitions can be complex and involve change, new personnel, new perspective, and perhaps new strategy and tactics. And, as Travis mentioned in the intro, <laughs> a transition is a chance for you to get demobed, even if you're on day 13. Transitions, of course, happen in life off the fire line. Is there such a thing? That's a thing. Let's listen in now as Britt and Travis tackle the transition topic. First, with a bit of transition fire line history and wisdom from Britt Rosso.
2: The First time I can remember my career hearing... Description of what a transition is, what it could look like, probably is tied to the Dude Fire entrapment fatalities from 1990. Um, Not that that specific transition, team transition, caused those fatalities. It added complexity and uncertainty in the system. And for the Dude Fire, those that aren't um, familiar with it, the the IMTs, the teams, management teams, transitioned um, in midday, we'll call it during the burning period, where we today, you know, we kind of scratch our heads and go, why would you do that? But back then that was not so sure if it was normal, but it was more acceptable to do. Um, That fire just happened to be, you know, some changes in weather and things. And um, so when you, whenever you do a transition, whether it's from a team to a team, a handoff from an IC down, going up or down the, the complexity chain, There's increased uncertainty, complexity, potential friction, potential to lose information, potential for duplication of information. So lots of moving parts and stuff is what I think about when we talk about transitions on the other side of transitions, when we hear transitions coming, I think what also for me, I think about is the uncertainty it's, it's the discomfort or not knowing what's going to happen next. When you transition to, out or into something else with someone else, a different team, a different leader. There's a lot of uncertainty in that, and that's uncomfortable for us as human beings. That's what I think about.
1: Yeah, Wildland Fire Lessons Learned Center analyst.
0: I mean, I, I, I can relate to that,
2: Travis Dotson.
0: You know, wanting to wanting to know. You know, and and I guess one one way to <laughs> frame that is uh, consistency breeds complacency, right? And so the the same the same there, you know when briefing is and what drop point you're going to. That allows you to be complacent, and so you want to be complacent, right? Because mm-hmm. the transition makes you makes you have to be, you know, ha- makes you have to deal with uh, uncertainty, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and uh, which some would argue is a good thing. What like super tangible, concrete things have you learned about operational transitions? I guess you know, if you were going to pass on lessons from your experience.
2: I think that the shadowing part is critically important and we don't always get a chance to do that. Um, Whether the getting, if you're the IC and you're going to be transitioning it over to the incident, over to someone else, is getting that, that incoming IC, you know, married up at the hip and walking around the fire and showing them all this, you know, him or her, all the stuff where things are. Um, what you've done, what you still want to do, your, your, your vision, the leader's intent you've been sharing with your troops, some of that stuff. Not to say do it exactly like this after I leave, but just to share, get them a common operating picture and get them up to speed on what you've accomplished so far and maybe what your vision is a couple shifts down the road.
1: For those who don't know, Britt spent a big chunk of his wildland fire career as a member of the Arrowhead interagency hotshot crew including a span of nine years from 1997 through 2006, in which he was the superintendent of Arrowhead. This next story comes from the Clear Creek fire from way back in 2000, when Britt was superintendent
2: of Arrowhead. I guess one kind of funny one, a lesson available, maybe I learned it, but back in 2000 on the Clear Creek fire, which we spent you know weeks and weeks and weeks on, a couple tours, and I heard some traffic on the radio. We'd been spiking for a long time up way up on the fire somewhere and doing what we could to make a difference. And I kept hearing a little bit of, trans, you know, uh, radio traffic on command about, well, yeah, the team's coming in. There's going to be a transition on day whatever and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. We're spiked. We're doing great. You know, we're getting food, water, shelter and making a difference, hopefully. So I didn't think about that. We go got towards the end of that 21-day tour had the crew start refurbing and I ran down to camp to turn in time and demob and stuff. I pulled into where there was 1500 people in a full type one ICP and there was a table and one timekeeper and a phone line and a box of FTR uh, booklets, the little green booklets, and they were waiting for Arrowhead to turn their time in. The entire camp had moved to the fairgrounds. And they were they were literally told this one poor timekeeper to sit here and wait for that that one troublemaking crew to come down and turn their FTR book in, and then you can fold up your table and jump in your truck and come over to the fairgrounds. And uh, I should have paid more attention to the uh, that radio traffic about the camp moving. But um, and I thanked her uh, for hanging out and waiting for us. You know. So I guess my lesson my lesson learned or available from that that was. When transitions are happening on your incident, pay close attention. You may not think it, it could affect you, but it's likely it will affect you in some way, shape, or form.
0: If you're the resource that's, that's staying and you kind of have your little piece of ground all figured out and, and, and somebody else is transitioning... That's where I feel like we, we could always help out a little bit. You know, I don't know how many times I've been the resource that's there and divisions transitioning or the team is or ops or something like that. And you hear them talking on the radio and you know exactly the confusion that they're having. Like you could, you could contribute to clarifying things. You know, they're, they're mm-hmm. talking about an old drop point versus a new drop point and the, that map. You don't, you don't even realize that you've just adjusted your everyday operations and it, it the classic is a drop point on the map. It's like mm-hmm. it originally got deemed a drop point twenty five and it somehow got changed. Either it's updated on the map and the, the person coming in is using the actual one but everybody else is still calling it T P twenty five you know what I mean? Some <laughs> sort of weird thing like that. Yeah. And you know why there's confusion on the radio. Um and, I mean, it's always dicey to try and jump in on the radio and clarify it for them unless it's real succinct. Um, but what I what I do is I try and keep track of those little things so that when I do run into them and I see them, it's just nice to make introductions anyway and go, hey, that thing you were talking about earlier, here's kind of the background on it, and, and, and this is what, you know, to just kind of keeping track of those things and and, and knowing, like you're saying, paying attention, hmm. and then knowing that you can figure out a way to,
2: to help out and I think what I'm hearing you say Travis is that you know we can we can help others when they transition in that will call whether it's a new crew a new IC a new team a new division whoever it is it's easy sometimes to just stay in our little worlds and say well let them let you know him or her figure it out they're the division they're the IC they can just figure it out we can help them figure it out and this makes me think about like how can we build empathy in in ourselves how can we be empathetic to people that are coming in and going to transition? You know, maybe for me it's thinking about, well, what if I was the new IC coming in? What if I was the new crew? You know, showing up on this fire and it's been going for a month, and maybe that's one way to gain a little empathy. And
0: yeah, and the way I, I I hear that a lot about, think about how you would want to be treated and stuff like that. And I, it's funny how I actually think of it differently if I if I say something like, hey, what if that was my buddy? you know what I mean? Somebody mm. that I actually knew, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? If that was a, a bro that I jumped with or, you know what I mean? Somebody that I was on the crew with back in the day or something, and they were coming in and I heard their name and I was like, I was excited. All of a sudden I have this whole other helpful attitude, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like I'm just, I'm going to track them down. I'm going to make an effort and I'm going to be like, Hey dude, I've been here. Um, I, maybe I'm even on the neighboring division or I run into them in camp or something like that. Um, that whole demeanor is completely different than I hear over the radio, some name that I don't recognize. And especially if I find out there are some sort of resource that, that I like to be, you know, them, Oh, they're from, they're from that region, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) um, that area or whatever. Then it's almost like I can, I can, I can almost be intentionally unhelpful because that's the other side of it. Right. You hear that confusion on the radio and you, you sit back and laugh. And you think it's entertaining? Aha! Those idiots—they don't know what they're doing. They, mm. you know, they need to figure themselves out. Whereas, if it was one of your buddies, you know, you would you would be over there all compassionate and trying to hook them up <laughs> with information. And and to me, so that's that's helpful for me. Is to, it, it's the same thing you're suggesting? I just have to say, what if it was one of my bros? Yeah.
2: You know, what
0: if it was what if it was uh, the the person that I used to work with, and I actually. Liked, yeah. <laughs> and then how would I treat them?
2: <laughs> I I like that because then it, it it gets away from the um the default um territory we can drift into that them and us and then, no no that's that's us that he or she's part of us.
0: And I think there is some some legitimacy to to the the caution that we have about operational transitions. Um, you know, for all kinds of fairly intuitive reasons about um, tempo change, organizational change, and sometimes just more people, right? It's like the dude fire part of that, that complexity that was added to that um, was that there was, there was multiple leaders out there, right? The -hmm. the outgoing division was there and the incoming division (laughs) was there. The incoming ops was there and the outgoing, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. and it, it, it doesn't take long to, to imagine that, when you, when you add in all those extra people, all those extra personalities, that in itself is a whole bunch more complexity. And then if you add on top of that any sort of stressful situation like fire behavior really ramping up or a medical incident, um, then, yeah, there's a whole bunch of potential for confusion and stepped on toes and stuff like that.
2: You know, just a few months ago, we had a report on an incident, the initial attack, extended attack IC was transitioning with the incoming incident management team. And right in, during that transition and that p- time period somewhere, they had, a, uh, had an aircraft accident. And, <coughs> and who owns that? And who's in charge of that? And who do we report to? And what dispatch center to use? We were using the local unit with the local IMT. And now the IMT is setting up their comm unit. And who's in charge? And who do I report this to? So even in 2018, you know, the, uh, transitions can still be a challenge.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, it was the same thing. We had that, uh, um, entrapment uh, shelter deployment where incoming division supervisors out scouting. Right. Right. And it, it's like, it's just like, Hey man, this is grass and sage and it's going and we need to put some fire down. <laughs> you know, it's not like you're going to say, well, I'm not in charge yet, so I'm not going to help. I'll sit here in my truck and you know, watch you, you know, you're going to get out there and help. Yes. Um, and, and you don't, you don't have the advantage of having scouted it. This is, this is one of those dilemmas. Well, you should scout, you should get all, you should get all dialed in during your scouting. You don't have the actual information, you know, that's, right. uh, and scouting in itself is dangerous. You don't know, um, the, you know, which roads go where and what terms people are using and stuff like that. So it makes sense that, that it is, there is an added layer of complexity,
2: Absolutely. A little over 10 years ago, we lost Wordaway Division Soup on the Panther Fire, scouting as their team was going to be transitioning in. And they were out scouting their, their piece of dirt for the next day, going over and recon on the fire. And uh, um, one barely made it out, and, and one was entrapped. And, and unfortunately, we lost him in 2008.
0: It's just a risk trade off, right? You need to invest in gaining that intel, mm-hmm. but the, that investment is a risk in itself because you're out in an environment that you're not familiar with. But the only way you're going to get familiar with it is if you get out in it.
2: Yep.
1: Travis and Britt each just referenced specific incidents from the 2018 fire season, both of which offer some excellent lessons on operational transitions. The first incident, referenced by Britt, which involved an aircraft accident, is called the Horns Mountain Seat Emergency Landing. Find all the reports and links associated with this incident at wildfirelessons.net. Navigate to the incident review database. We call that the IRDB. And search for Horns Mountain Seat. Mountain Seat. You don't even have to capitalize SEAT. Once you find the incident, you'll see the rapid lesson sharing document that was put together on this accident. This is a great RLS and captures a ton of lessons that range from incident within an incident lessons to delegation of authority lessons to questions and lessons about how to do medevacs. You'll also see links to the SAFECOM associated with this incident, as well as a link to the preliminary report from the National Transportation Safety Board. The report Travis mentioned is called the Grassy Ridge Fire Shelter Deployment. A lessons learned review was done on this incident, which again took place in the 2018 fire season. And, again, this lessons learned review can be found at wildfirelessons.net in the Incident Review Database, the IRDB. This report covers so much good ground, including the particular kind of complexity that comes with a transition in what's still functionally the initial attack phase of a fire in remote country with roads all over and six to seven foot tall sagebrush. (laughs) Did you say six foot sagebrush? That's huge sagebrush. Check it out. There's some great lessons on transitions, as well as some really solid lessons about the use of the fire shelter. The final incident that Britton Travis referenced is a fireline fatality from way back in two thousand eight. The Panther Fire entrapment took place on July 26, 2008 and involved a division supervisor, Chief Dan Packer. Chief Packer was doing what we do when transitions take place. He was out in the woods scouting, an effort to make the transition go as smoothly as possible. The death of Chief Packer was and remains a stark reminder operational transitions can be more than just an inconvenience. They can be deadly. To learn more about the tragic loss of Chief Packer, read the reports associated with his entrapment on the Panther Fire. You know what to do. Go to wildfirelessons.net and find the Incident Review Database. Search for Panther Fire Fatality. Take good notes on the Human factors section of the main report. In the last half of this podcast, Travis and Britt grapple with other transitions that can be challenging. Many of those take place well away from the fire line, but can be influenced by it. Let's get back to Britt and Travis and their views on other tough transitions.
0: What I'm interested in, in doing, since we love to do this, we love to take fire analogies because for some reason it's easier to talk about fire stuff like that conversation. I could probably go on operationally about transitions for another two hours and all this knowledge that we have collectively about the complexities of an operational transition and trying to take that into the, the personal realm mm-hmm. um, and, and, and talk about, is it possible for us to use this language that we're comfortable with around operational transitions and some of the lessons that, that are there? Um, is it possible to then apply that to a different type of transition, like um, uh, a traumatic event? I feel like there's some sort of connection there, some sort of utility in, in, in acknowledging that that is a transition that the a lot, a lot of what transition is, is, is a new perspective Mm -hmm. right you just you see things differently now uh for me anyway when there's a sudden um, traumatic event and i'm thrust into a new way of feeling or a new way of viewing it's uh so disorienting it's just so chaotic that that i feel like a lot of times what i want to do is i just want to kind of close my eyes and shake my head and just go no 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 which is like literally physically a lot of times what people do when they hear about a fatality or they see it happen or something like that. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah you know, just Travis, what, <clears throat> listening to you talk about that, what that made me think about, and as, we, as you said, as we transition from kind of the operational fire related uh, transitions, we talk about to these traumatic, what we're calling transitions, I, I can almost put them in two boxes. One being planned transitions, and, and the other one, what you're talking about, is unplanned transitions mm-hmm. um, on fires, on incidents. I mean, we we talk about them. okay, let's plan a transition. Let's but we write a transition plan. Traumatic events are usually not planned.
0: We deal with those too, and 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 we deal with um, look at the difference between having a super dialed incident within an incident. We're not we're not planning for the the incident that happens because you can't. Right. You don't know when somebody's gonna get hit by a tree or run over by a engine or have a vehicle accident right outside of ICP. You know what I mean? You can't mm-hmm. plan for that specific event, but you can plan for um having to deal with that and, and that, you know, gets this whole conversation about accepting it and knowing that it, that those kinds of things happen and it's better to have a framework and a um and everybody, you know, we get reports all the time about how much more comfortable people are with those unplanned transitions taking place after they've um, after they've done a little bit of training, after they've thought about it, after they have kind of a framework to work off of, whether it's a checklist or a process. Yeah, unplanned events can still be prepared for,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right, um, in a certain amount. You can't prepare for your friend dying. No. So. Um, internally emotionally what that's going to feel like but there actually is tools that uh, you can practice right I mean that that that's the whole idea behind resilience training and this notion that um, for for those of us in high-risk professions whether that's law enforcement or military or you know what I mean there's It's that next step of, okay, if we admit that all kinds of, you know, scary bad things are going to happen, what are the things that tend to carry people through that process? It doesn't mean that you, it's going to make you not feel bad or not feel the pain or any of that stuff. It's just that what are the things that tend to help people move through that in a, in a, in a healthier way and reduce the risks of some of, some of the, extremely unhealthy ways that we can deal with those, those
2: transitions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's the, <clears throat> there's the preparing for the unplanned event. Like you said, the checklist and all those things, whether it's medical or whatever it is, but then there's that transition on the emotional side, the personal side, the internal side that most people don't get to see, you know, when we're by ourselves and it, as we've, one of our friends described it as when things get dark and cold and gnarly in the winter and you're by yourself, Um, yeah. You know, how do you deal with those things when you're now you're transitioning into maybe not somebody else, but, but a different perspective, your perspective is shifting on your job, your career, your life, your family, because you're trying to make sense of this traumatic stress. That's just been thrust upon you. And because we're humans, because we're human beings and we're all wired just a little bit different, um, and deal with this stuff differently, depending on exposure and, you know, a thousand different pieces of metrics, um, it, it's, there's no, uh, cookbook for one-stop shopping. Well, you do this, everyone, you just do this, do this one thing for everyone. And then you're going to be all good or do these two things. And then you're going to be back to normal. And again, there is this perspective that <clears throat> I think when these were exposed to traumatic stress, trauma, loss, death, well, we just need to get through this so we can get he or she back to normal. Well, no, this is the new normal right? This is the new normal. Maybe it's not getting back to normal or the way, you know, he or she used to be. I think what we're talking about is that they're now transitioning to the new, you know, the new person. They're going to be a little bit different and that's okay. You know, as long as it's healthy and acceptable and they can function, um, there's a transitional period there. And I think, yeah. And I
0: think the the analogy for me and and in to, to put it in fire terms, is when we, we criticize people for continuing to use initial attack tactics on something that has obviously escaped initial attack, and it's time to kind of take that breather, step back, and look at the big picture and say, all right, let's, let's let's you know what I mean? Anchor, flank, and pinch isn't, <laughs> isn't working, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Using Using previous tactics, you tried that. We're not going to stuff this one back in.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and to me, that's that that you could you could equate that to saying no. Let's just get them or get me back to normal. No, the fire's not go. It, it's not like you can say, hey, hey, wait, fire. Can you just go back to you know when you were just outside the the fire ring and we were in the campground? Can you time out? Let's go back. Like right. it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way, man. Right. You have to adapt. To what's going on. It's over the hill, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that, that pause, that take back, here's the new situation. Um, here's the things that, that are now threatened that I wasn't thinking about before. And, you know, here's the resources I have. Um, and, and it's just kind of admitting where you're at. Um, and we love to criticize folks for, when they did or did not do that in terms of operational stuff,
2: yeah.
0: But uh, to me, that's what it makes me think of when you're when you're talking about, hey, we, let's get them back to normal or let's get me back to normal. It's like, no, this is this is how it is now. It's that like it's it's going yep. and um, and you probably need some help.
2: Hmm. You need
0: to you need a different perspective on this, and you might need some help here.
2: the The analogy that makes me think of is. When you're a type four or maybe type three IC and you, you know, you're probably right on the bubble of needing to step it up on the complexity level and either order a team or, you know, order a type three IC and just, but you want to hang on to that fire because it's your fire, right? You own it and it's your people and you want to get around this thing and you're going to, for whatever reason, prove others wrong, uh, pride, all these things. Maybe that analogy also falls to when we've been exposed to traumatic events. Like, no, no, I got this. I can do this by myself. I got, got it handled. It. I don't need help. What do you mean help? No, I got it. I, I'm going to. Tur- I'm going to turn the corner on this. Eventually, the wind's going to wind's going to switch back, and I'm going to be able to turn the corner and I'll get this thing tied back in the rocks. So, I got it. Go yeah. away. Right.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like the, the burn boss analogy, right? Why is it that we have in the plan, hey, if this thing, <laughs> we have to declare this an escape. Hey, you burn boss, you can't be the IC, yeah. you know,
2: um, <clears throat> not a that good idea.
0: That's a form of, yeah, we're, that, we're just, that's a form of acknowledging, you know, that, that the potential, we're not saying as a guarantee. It's just the potential for that emotional kind of um, power that might make you do operation and make operational choices that you wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, and I think there's obviously an easy analogy to, Hey, when you're in this crazy, intense, emotional state, you might do things that you might not do otherwise. Hmm. Um, and, and yeah, like you said, you, 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 you might need some help. You might need to turn some things over um, to those that, that are there and invested in helping you and, uh, um, and take stock where, where are you at? Um, and, and that I think also that complexity analysis is a good one to think about too, because there's, there, there actually is those kinds of lists, right? Like there's lists that say, you know, Hey, there's, here's, here's a list of things that, that happen or, you know, after traumatic events, um, you know, and, um, you might do this or this or this or this, and you you could literally go down the list and go, oh, yep, I'm doing that, I'm doing that, I'm doing that, I'm doing that.
2: <laughs> That's yeah. We've uh, we've talked about that, haven't we, before?
0: Yeah, and then and and you know it it it's the same thing as like you might have this all this stuff about no, I got it, I can keep this fire, and then somebody comes over and says, let's do the complexity analysis, and you run down and you're like, all right, okay, let's call let let let's order the type three. <laughs> right. um, Right. And I wish it was that simple in an emotional state. You know, I don't know what the type three is or the type two or the type one. I don't know. Um, it's not that straightforward. But I think that, that thinking of it in terms of a tally could be helpful. You you know what I mean? You, you look at the list and goes, hey, I'm drinking more than I usually do. Hey, it looks like I'm not responding to text when I normally would. Hey, whatever those things are on that list, it's just kind of a, yep, you're doing that, you're doing that, you're doing that. Um, and that might indicate that, uh, that, that it's actually not like you might, might need to, uh, get some help.
2: No, I think that's, that's a good analogy and you're going, <clears throat> whether you're on the fire or you're dealing with uh, traumatic stress, you're going through some sort of transition. And in the, the emotional traumatic stress event, you're. Yep, doing that, doing that, doing that, doing that, doing that. But I think that if you don't have that tool, uh, I'm just speaking personal perspective. If you don't have that tool to look at and go, "Oh yeah, look, there's a list of ten things," you know, and then you check off nine and go, "Huh." But in the past, if you've been exposed to trauma and you don't have that tool, didn't exist or no one shared it with you, it's all good until you probably smash into the wall or something brutal has to happen in your life to kind of snap you out of it. And again, just speaking from personal experience. So I think that some of the tools that we have now available to us, to our firefighters, to our community, um, are helpful in that way. And that some of the things that we can do to help others when they're going through these transitions is to just, if nothing else, make them, make those tools available to them. There's a couple of things that, you know, uh-huh. help me, help me navigate some tough times.
0: Yeah. I guess the analogy of not, not using, <laughs> not using the checklist is like, who is that? What? Who is down there still spraying water? Why are they still digging? Like we're all back here. We all, <laughs> we all checked out, man. Like you know, and if you're if they're not, if you're not reaching out, and you're still thinking you're going to catch this one on your own, and and we're talking the emotional stuff. Like you're you're literally expending effort. You're doing the wrong thing, and you're putting yourself in danger.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's um, it
0: by not acknowledging that you're, you're isolating and, um, and you, you know, you've gotten off at the angry floor or whatever, and, Hmm. um, and you're just kind of running yourself into the ground. Um, you you know, that, that it it is, it's, it's dangerous. Um, Just like if you're still pushing and trying to catch a fire that it doesn't make sense to try and catch
2: yeah, everyone, back, everyone else is back in the Walmart Park lot, and you're, you're still out there, you and two other people, you know, throwing dirt on it with no, no and, probability of success.
0: Yeah, and usually somebody's going to come and go, hey. Stop that. <laughs> Stop you know what I mean, and I don't know what the equivalent of that is. That's where I always struggle with. What's the equivalent of that? How, who, how is it that we can? I guess it is. It, you know, you can use the checklist, and you can say, "Hey, look, this is what I see you doing." Um, <clears throat> but I, I feel like sometimes when we see somebody um, out there in the emotional turmoil, we just kind of stand back there and go, "Man, they're uh, they need to they need to back off. They need you know." But that's pretty much what we do is we just stand there.
2: Yeah, because we're, it's uncomfortable, it's uncomfortable t- topography, it's, it's tough topography and uncomfortable terrain for us to to jump in, it's like, well, I, I don't know what to say, I might make things worse, I might get in there and make things worse, I don't want to do that, so it's, it's just uncomfortable. Um,
0: yeah, and you know, to me it's like, I know exactly what's going to happen, I'm going to call their cell phone and they're not going to pick up and I'm going to leave a message that says, hey man, I'm thinking about you, hang in there. And then they're going to send me a text that says, hey, thanks. Um, I'm doing okay. Or, you know, or I'm going to send them a text, hey, you know, what's up? Give me a call. And they're going to say, send me a text that says thanks. Yep. You know? <laughs> yep. And and I've kind of checked it off my list. Hey, I reached out. I, I did my thing. <laughs> um,
2: but. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we're, yeah you know, we're a bunch of operators or former operators or managers trying to navigate this incredibly complex, um, human topography, human nature, human psyche. And there's a lot of people that are experts in this stuff or in this field. And we've been reaching out to them as a community, as an organization. And we're, you know, we're building courses about it. We're getting handouts, we're making checklists, we're doing all this stuff. So we've come a heck of a long ways compared to five, 10, 20 years ago, for sure. Or before it was like, no, it was actually, we were harmful. It was like, no, dude, get back on the horse now, you know, when they went, someone went through a traumatic event. The best thing you can do is drink more beer and then just get back out there and keep doing it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Johnny died out there, but and to honor Johnny, we had to get back out there and, and you know, keep running saws and, and do this job. And I, I think that's that has the potential to be harmful without utilizing the tools and, and expertise of others that deal with this stuff on a daily basis. And I think we're we're embracing that now as a community to reach out to these these folks to help us when we do have bad things happen.
0: This is where I link it to some of the other efforts that have been going on uh, is is kinda like, oh, we're fighting against this notion that there can be zero that we can attain zero fatalities if we knock that wall down and everybody says okay you won (laughs) we it's not the goal is not zero all right so we we have acknowledged that bad things are going to happen traumatic things and it's you know um likely going to be it's going to involve some fatalities and those fatalities are going to have survivors and those survivors are going to have our struggle with this traumatic aftermath or the aftermath of the trauma. Okay. So we know that's going to happen. All right. So what does the data say about, uh, about healthy ways to, to live through that? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and kind of driving it that way and going, all right, because, Um, at least here's some things to, to watch out for, be heads up on, you know, like, um, because you might, what, you know, the, the, the example I now use is if you, if you learn to deal with those things in an unhealthy way, like just getting drunk, um, to forget, that's one thing for that event, you know what I mean? That's, that, you know, that's just, that's kind of how a lot of people in our business deal with an event. Um, but it's possible for some of us, part of what you're learning is not only how to deal with that event, but hard stuff in general. Mm-hmm. So now another hard thing happens. Oh, the answer to that is get drunk. Mm-hmm. And then the, you know, another hard thing It's just life. And all of a sudden now you're getting drunk for every hard thing that happens, mm-hmm. right? Yep. <laughs> And, the, and the, the, you know, there's all kinds of different ways to, to enter into that. And then you, now all of a sudden it's like a physical thing. Um, and now you're talking about, oh, is this addiction? Um, and you look at the, the workforce that we attract. Um, some of us, we have all of these uh, pre-existing conditions, you know what I mean, that, uh, uh, that uh, make us ripe for that kind of um, uh, reaction, Um, it's just like you look at, I looked at, uh, suicide statistics recently and it was like white males with access to firearms. I was like, that's like, that's like 80% of our workforce, (laughs) right? you know, uh, so our, you know what I mean? We, we have these, there's these things that just exist, right. And, um. And it's, a lot of us are attracted to this workforce because it's action packed and adventure. And part of the reason we're attracted to that is because we came from 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 situations that uh, that value that and maybe had some hardship in them. And uh, and but what I'm talking about is those transitions. That early one, way back when when you know um, it was a fire related event, and you're you're a learning how to transition through hard things how pivotal that can be and if you if it's just like the the line you know you you turn just a few degrees it might not seem like that big of a deal down there close to the where you made that turn but 15 years from now you know that's quite a distance between the line that went straight and that the line that got drawn off that few degrees turn
2: right right i'm always you know what i thought my declination was only one degree off but yeah, that was 5 miles back. Now look where we are.
0: Yeah, and I mean I know that's a lot to extrapolate, but I think it is important for us to acknowledge that in this business, part of what we're teaching, part of what people are learning is how to transition through straight up hard stuff, whether that's, you know, divorce or the death or the uh, traumatic event on the job or you know what I mean, all of those things. We it is part of the job. Um, you know, the distance from family and all of that stuff. And so that's part of how we're part of what we're providing is that, uh, is that venue, I guess. And, uh, and this is where it gets all awkward about like, well, is that really, you know, is it our job to be providing life skills training? Well, I,
2: <laughs> what, you know. what, what do we call each other? Right? Yeah, exactly. What do we, we talk about as a community? The fire family, right? And I think back, uh, you know, when I ran a crew and I didn't think of it this way, but um, my seasonal workforce went through two huge transitions each year, right? Transition from no fire to coming back to the crew. And now they're in this family for five, six months, part of this tight knit, close family doing hard stuff fun mostly but hard stuff all summer and then bam you know snow flies budgets run out whatever fire season's over and then bam a huge pretty sharp transition okay turn your gear in uh have the year-end party and then see ya we'll see in six months those are two pretty big transitions for people i'm not saying they're bad they're just transitions and i think we just need to acknowledge that that look during transitions there's uncertainty there's potential friction there's unknown and so we're putting our seasonal workforce year after year after year through two pretty big transitions just on the front and back end of their, you know, of their employment.
0: Yeah. And obviously that stuff is complicated by what that, you know, what came before and after.
2: Absolutely. That. Absolutely. Are they, are they rolling right into school the next day or are they going to uh, an empty apartment that they're going to do whatever for six months, you know, or are they going to Costa Rica um, you know, everyone does something a little bit different. So, you know, and I,
0: and what happened, uh, you know what I mean? Is it, was it a, you know, what kind of season was it and what kind of <laughs> possibly unprocessed things have we, um, not dealt with?
2: If, if there's a crew, a module or whatever, a group that goes through a traumatic event together, and I've experienced this, and then you, one of the things that helps you get at least manage it on a daily basis is sticking together because you have this shared hardship and you can have hard conversations with each other because you've all experienced this loss together. Um, that's, that's really powerful stuff. I think we underestimate the power of that. Um, whether that's healing or sense-making or, or, you know, getting through the day, whatever that is, but, but eventually with a seasonal workforce that, that group is going to separate. And I think that's the time I'm, looking back more concerned about is when you, you know, you have the the brothers and sisters around you to be there for you pretty much day in and day out and then all of a sudden there's that separation, transition into single resource life. Yeah, there's text and there's Facebook and there's phone calls and all that, but I think it gets a lot harder. It can has the potential to get a lot harder and a lot a lot tougher once that you transition into the single resource from your family of five or ten or twenty or 60 or 80 you know at your base
0: because that's community right that's yeah. community that's one of the protective factors you know the, the folks that are able to to have a, a little bit healthier transition through these things is 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 access to community mm-hmm. and and peers and investment in that and and um you know obviously at the firefighters we we like to talk about our community uh, it's a tight-knit community you know how often do we say that and right. then but what you're talking about is yeah, it's tight knit, you know. Maybe till then. and, and yeah, you you're gonna text text each other and say, hey, hey, what's up? You know, is the is the powder good or you know, uh, did you get drawn? Whatever it is, there's that kind. But it's not. It, it's different from that day to day face, you know, interaction. And there's there's all kinds of different protective factors out there about how to prepare for um, these these known. Um, exposures that are going to happen to, to, uh, to, to hard stuff. Um, and I, I think that's where we're, we're not quite there yet in terms of, of getting folks prepared, um, for that and, and teaching some of those, uh, those skills. Um, and, you know, it's, it's one of those catch 22 situations. Oftentimes the way that people learn them is by struggling hmm. with, you know, something.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and, uh, I don't, I don't want to promote the idea that, well, we just got to wait for people to, to have the reason to want to build their resilience. Like, man, it seems like we should be able to to teach some of these things ahead of time. And, and, and even just hearing about it, a lot of people talk about that. Like, yeah, it didn't really make sense to me when they were talking about it. But the, the minute I had the context, then it, it triggered this memory of, oh, yeah, I need to watch out for this. Or they at least said this, this kind of behavior was normal. Or there was this resource, and I, I, you know, where is it? And that even just that might trigger somebody to reach out, which is not, you know, how do we practice getting people to reach out, especially males? Like, we're horrible at that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, we are. Hey,
0: I need help. You know, like, man... Yeah. Who? There's one thing we could do is to teach men how to ask for help. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that that ties into whether that's r- looking at the map or reading the instructions before you put the, you know, the piece of furniture together. No, I don't need that because we don't. That's help.
1: Thanks so much to both Britt and Travis for sitting down and recording this great conversation. For more thoughts on transitions, check out the fall 2018 issue of Two More Chains, titled, fittingly, Traumatic Transitions, where we get more insight from Britt on this challenging topic. As we put the final touches on this podcast, it's January of 2020. It's wintertime and dark and gnarly for some. It's also a great time to catch up with folks you didn't see last season, some of whom might be going through one transition or another. Maybe now's a good time to pick up the phone and send a text. A text message? Are you serious? Just make a phone call. Or a phone call. Now's as good a time as any to make that call. Music for this podcast once again from Blue Note Sessions. Check them out on the internet at sessions.blue. Finally, and as always, thanks a ton for your time. Recently, Travis Dotson and I got together for a mountain bike ride. Even though he was on a borrowed bike that didn't fit him well, he shredded the downhills. I had to know his secret. It's
0: just so chaotic that, that I feel like a lot of times what I want to do is I just want to kind of close my eyes and shake my head and just go, no, 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 no.
1: You know, I knew I was doing something wrong. I'd do the downhills with my eyes open.